Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks with Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities that dishonor human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to human life and to God than to bypass by ignorance or rejection His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we would like our listeners to consider something that threatens every believer in Jesus Christ, as well as those who have yet to believe in Jesus. That something has to do with the issue of eternal life. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25 both say that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. As you may recall, the Lord God instructed Adam to eat anything he pleased out of the Garden of Eden, except fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was told that he would die if God's instruction was violated. He did eat, and the result is recorded at Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, In spite of the many challenges humanity has encountered and overcome, the most ancient problem still remains, death. It is the consequence man received from violating his relationship with God. Much of human activity is still focused on beating death. Life-saving medications, surgical innovations, organic and living food diets, exercises, and health-promoting lifestyle interventions have proven successful in mitigating the effects of disease, age, and holding death at bay for many. Prosthetics and other technological devices help veterans and people who are limited by injury or other causes and provide a way for them to interact with their communities and participate in activities from which they would otherwise be excluded. People have studied disease and methods to either heal the body or help the body heal itself throughout recorded history. Many techniques have been used for hundreds of years that now aren't even considered except as an historical curiosity. Many others have proven so successful that their use continues to this day. People have made observations from the beginning of human life through its end to develop strategies that, while not eliminating death, are expected to significantly delay its arrival. In spite of every difficulty that could be encountered in life, most people still want to live forever, but with conditions. We want to be free from discomfort, pain, physical, mental, and emotional ailments and limitations, what are called birth defects, results of injury, ravages of age, and generally whatever makes us unattractive, undesirable, or repulsive to other people and to ourselves. This is ultimately leading to some point in the future when mankind without God will discover how to not only eliminate disease, but vanquish natural death and usher humanity into a new age of immortality complete with indestructible bodies and an alternate heaven. On one level, this seems noble and heroic, but let's listen more carefully. Does not this invitation have the sound of the serpent? Genesis 3-4 relates Satan's lie that countered the warning of Creator God, you will not surely die. Many people engaged in probing life's origin, its continuance, and its regeneration are spending copious amounts of time and money searching for a way to control and manipulate that which was created by and belongs to God alone. 
They are looking for answers in the end-of-life practices and beliefs of ancient civilizations and trying to implement what they think are modern scientific improvements. But these activities may not produce the expected results. They could even backfire with serious unintended consequences. To live, to exist in a condition with an unregenerate heart and a sin-saturated nature with no way out and no access to the tender love, mercy, and grace of Almighty God is not heaven. It is recorded at Matthew 22, verse 32, Mark 12, verse 27, and Luke 20, verse 38, that Jesus told the Pharisees and scribes who should have known better from their studies of the scriptures that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. Hear the word of God. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Mankind had no hope for release from death until the appearance of the God-man, Jesus. As 1 Corinthians 15.21 says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. It was never God's intention for people to die, as evidenced by the presence of the tree of life also in the garden. But he provided a remedy and made it simple enough even for a little child to understand. All one has to do is believe. That is his way. Listen to one translation of 1 Corinthians 1.21. God was wise and decided not to let the people of this world use their wisdom to learn about him. Instead, God chose to save only those who believe the foolish message we preach. Some people reject this remedy and say that to believe is superstitious. But there are entire industries whose stock in trade is making people believe things that are neither real nor true. The simple but very important difference between that and belief in Jesus has to do with what has its foundation in reality and what only pretends to be real. Many other people have rejected and continue to reject what they call all that business about Jesus for a variety of reasons, but basically because they have a blockage of unbelief in their hearts against who he is and what he did. Even one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, said, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe as it is recorded at John 20, verses 25 through 29. But Jesus gently brought Thomas back to the heart of the matter and told him, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas then, stunned by the sight of Jesus with his own eyes, exclaimed, My Lord and my God. Then as if to speak to us today, Jesus answered Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Without belief, those of us walking around in flesh bodies are always subject to something called the fear of death that is described in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. But Jesus has solved this problem for us, as it is written, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. 
This is fantastic news and why the message and promise of Jesus is called gospel, meaning good news. Believing this message is the entrance to salvation. Understanding what we have become and growing and overcoming maturity by maintaining that stance through our thoughts and actions are what bring us to the sure hope of realizing unimaginably wonderful eternal life with the only God who loves us. Let's read the account of a resurrection from chapter 11 of John's Gospel, starting at verse 11. After saying these things, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. 
Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered in the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. To do things God's way requires that we hear what he tells us and follow through with what we are told. If we try to do things our way, Matthew 7:21 through 23 records Jesus' warning that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The Bible assures us that we cannot even get to God without belief. Hebrews 11.6 plainly declares that without faith it is impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. The process of pleasing God through obedience to His Word requires that our personal relationship with Him, not what we wind up doing at our own behest, is of ultimate importance. We are not saved because we belong to an organization or because we follow a formula for living. We are saved because we believe that what He tells us is always true and our actions are in accord with what we believe. The most important thing he has told us through his son is that he is real. He has made us. He loves us and we can trust him because his plans for us are for our good and his glory. Here's a scary thought. Did you know that it is possible to mentally acknowledge God's existence but behave in opposition to him? This is called having a form of godliness but denying the power, as 2 Timothy 3 describes. People don't want what God has richly given us to have and enjoy life, according to 1 Timothy 6, 17. But they will gladly take and greedily gobble down what God's enemy serves up every day. The only way of escape here is to become humble and go back to God's sure plan. It may not be pleasant. His way confronts us with the very cross Jesus says at Luke 9.23 is required to be picked up and carried by those who will follow him every day. This is the cross so needful to help us die to self, look to Jesus, and allow the transformation into his image to take place. There is a sure promise of partaking in his resurrection that we will see if we patiently trust him. So many places in the Bible record these promises, but let's hear a few of them now. Jesus says at John 14, verse 19b, Because I live, you also will live. 
Romans 8.11 tells us, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Titus 1 verse 2 mentions the hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. You can read more about this promise at Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians 15. It will help you even more if you read those passages out loud because Romans 10:17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let us tell you something. If you are trying to get God's results on your terms, your way won't work. He has decided, as disgusting as it may sound to some, that salvation for the human race will come and only come by forgiveness of sins through the blood of His only begotten Son, Jesus. Only God's prescription for salvation will work. Listen to Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. But there is something we must tell you and everyone else in Israel. This man is standing here completely well because of the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. You put Jesus to death on a cross, but God raised him to life. He is the stone that you builders thought was worthless, and now he is the most important stone of all. Only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Romans chapter 10 says, that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. This is the only path to salvation. Being good, following the Ten Commandments, doing good works, doing anything to be saved from the wrath of God will not work. James 2 verse 10 said regarding the law, If you obey every law except one, you are still guilty of breaking them all. According to Galatians 2 verses 16 through 18, But we know that God accepts only those who have faith in Jesus Christ. No one can please God by simply obeying the law. So we put our faith in Christ Jesus, and God accepted us because of our faith. When we Jews started looking for a way to please God, we discovered that we are sinners too. Does this mean that Christ is the one who makes us sinners? No, it doesn't. But if I tear down something and then build it again, I prove that I was wrong at first. So once we embrace Jesus' sacrifice for our salvation, trying to save ourselves by following the law will put us in no man's land without salvation. If you find yourselves in the conundrum of trusting your own righteousness but want the salvation Jesus has already purchased for you, there is a way out. Repent, that is, change your mind. Stop what you're doing. Confess your transgression of unfaithfulness to God. Return to Him and obey Jesus, who now rules your heart by His Holy Spirit. If this message makes you uncomfortable, the Holy Spirit may be doing His work in your heart. Let Him do it His way. It is so much better for you to suffer temporary discomfort and turn to God while there is time to receive His mercy. Let Him do this His way to make the change for you and in you. Let His way of doing things provide the relief you were looking for. 
We can trust God that His way will surely take us out of the grip of Satan and place us securely with God in the glorious place He has prepared for us all. Nothing would please our loving Heavenly Father more. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or at our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.